0: And welcome to a special presentation of Out of Left Field. Felt like we need an intro or something like that. Some deep voice guy live from the mothership in the Southeastern Sports Group Studios in downtown Starville. It's not an episode. It's a presentation now. Yeah, It's a presentation. Okay. It's live from the Water Tower on the south side of campus. Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. Here's the thing with this: uh, the past show of Out of Left Field that we that went up last night. Tyrone Keyes and Brandon Woodruff we had such a great time talking to both those guys and they were great interviews if you haven't listened yet but uh, Tyrone Keyes went into a lot of detail about the 1980 game against Alabama that 6-3 win for Mississippi State over Bama of course 40 years ago now 40 years ago and then Brandon Woodruff stopped by and we talked a lot about baseball with Brandon who's had a great career so far early in his career with the Milwaukee Brewers and Pitched at Mississippi State and guys throwing hundred miles an hour in the big leagues, a legitimate bona fide number one starter in the big leagues. And Charlie, when I walked out, the first thing I thought of was we didn't even talk about the game. We play football this weekend against Alabama, so it's almost like we need to get back together. And then I was in a text conversation with Tyrone Keys. Okay, the other night I'm going through the drive-through at Chick-fil-A with my son. And he says, and Tyrone Key says, I was stopped. I was not driving as I was texting. Just wanted to make you sure, let you know as as my attorney. that yeah, I was, I've gotten
1: you out of enough tickets already. We're not adding more to it. And well,
0: that, that's why I wanted to make sure I said that. I was stopped in line. And Tyrone Key says, hey, you need to call Bruce Arians. The head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks, of course, was an assistant coach at State a couple of times. You need to call Bruce Arians and ask him these stories. i tell you what. I'm going to call Bruce and tell him you're calling, okay? And it led to this long conversation, and Bruce Arians was like, yeah, give me a call. So we're going to talk to Bruce Arians in the next few minutes about the 1980 game, 1978. He was a big part of that 78 to 80. Sitting head coach – He's getting ready for another Mississippi State guy on Monday night football. They're playing Joe Judge and the New York Giants this week. So, it's been a crazy week. well, you
1: think those two guys have been dealt different hands, at least for this season.
0: Oh, my goodness. You uh, got <laughs> Bruce Arians who has, you know, Tom Brady. And then you have, you know, Saquon Barkley blowing out a knee, again. you know, for the Giants. And poor Joe, you know, he's – He's just kind of having to fight uphill right now, especially dealing with the New York media. Man, but uh, anyway, proud of both those guys. But we talked to Bruce Arians later in the show. Um, I was trying to fight Wells, you know, for a brown. He was wanting a brownie in the background, and I'm trying to talk to Bruce Arians the other night, which was pretty interesting in itself. So let's look at this game this weekend before we talk to Bruce Arians. Charlie, before we get into some stats, sometimes, you know, you want to get in and just read stats. And also, we play at Alabama tomorrow. Did we make the travel list? I don't think. Did we make the travel list? Are we going to Tuscaloosa or are we going to be at Bulldog Burger? No, no. I will be safely at Bulldog Burger for this one because
1: I'm not going to be counted among those with extended stops in Gordo or Reform to subsidize the local economy through tickets or otherwise.
0: I want to meet the mayor of Reform. It's not reform. It's reform. Reform? Reform, as they say. I don't think Dick Rice used to say reform, did he? I miss Dick Rice. He was a good one. Brian Owens. Dick
1: Rice, the weatherman.
0: Well, Brian Owens was at WCBI in Columbus. Dick Rice was in, that was our football coach's famous saying, you know, hey, what's the weather going to be like today, coach? What do I look like, Dick Rice? Do you know who preceded Dick Rice? Who? Don Bueser. Remember Don Bueser? No.
1: He left at Dancing Don. He left and went to the Weather Channel, one of the first Weather Channel guys. Really? So now you've been educated.
0: Okay. All right. So the weather of North Mississippi. Let's look at uh, what's going on in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. State in uh, Alabama. We're recording this on a Friday. So just give you a little Friday crack hit before you get to the uh – While you're pulled over in Gordo, you can turn (laughs) us on and write that ticket. Okay. Charlie, before we get into some stats – I start thinking about who's important for Mississippi State right now. And, of course, you would say, hey, this is the offense, it's the quarterback is trying to get some kind of, you know, positivity working in your offense and some confidence. To me, the most important person in the entire program right now is Tyson Brown, the strength coach for Mississippi State. You know, a lot of people, they don't understand what goes into being a strength coach. You're, you're half psychologist, you're, you're the motivator. You're the guy who's around the players more than anybody else. And it's just trying to keep the focus. You've had some turnover in the last week. You've had a week off to kind of reset a little bit. And I don't think you can really undervalue the importance of a strength staff at this time of year. Do you agree with that? I don't.
1: Disagree, but I have a different opinion. If that makes sense, I'm sure. not telling you that you're wrong. I have a different idea.
0: Well, you're usually telling me I'm wrong. But go so, ahead. I think the peak
1: importance of a strength coach comes in the off season when coaches can't be around. So I'm not discounting their role now. I'm saying that's when they're at their highest and best use is in the off season when coaches can't be around. I'm going to tell you that, and I'm going to I'm going to go a one and a one a here. I'm going to go a co most important people. Okay. And I'm going to go with Errol Thompson and Kobe Jones.
0: I can see that.
1: And I'm going to tell you why I'm going with that. One of the things when you start having things go wrong, and I've been listening to a lot of talk about the Dallas Cowboys, for example, how they've had things go wrong. And the thing that has people frustrated is they're not putting up a fight. You know, look, the tail of the tape against Alabama has generally not been good. Okay, you're in, you're out. In what, in the 18 times that we've played Nick Saban, be it at LSU or be it at Mississippi State, I think maybe three or four we've played within a touchdown. Four, I believe it is. You won one game, and only three other times were you, with even within seven points.
0: And Sylvester Kroon won that game.
1: Which still is, you know. You're, Mind-blowing. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Ty Grantham.
1: <laughs> hey, yeah, thirty Grantham. But. So in in fact fast five years, hundred and seventy five to forty is the combined score of the game. So you had been close. So you say then, okay, what's all this got to do with the most important person? If you go back to Joe Moorhead's first year, twenty eighteen, Jeffrey Simmons last year, if you look at the score, you see that we went to Tuscaloosa, we lost twenty four to nothing, and you say, What do you have to be proud about? Well, the thing about it was, if you remember we ended that game basically with a goal line stand on defense to keep Alabama from scoring. And you could see Jeffrey Simmons basically just imploring his defense to dig in and get a stop. The game was over. It was all just about points at that time. But you saw a team playing with pride, and then what do you do? You come back and you dismantle Arkansas. You beat Ole Miss in a big way. And it kind of, even in defeat, you could go home and say, but we played hard. I think those two guys I think Kobe Jones has really emerged as a leader on the team. And I add Errol Thompson in because to be a, a great leader you gotta have two things. One, you gotta have some personality, you have to have a kind of a force of will over you. But you also gotta be really good. And Errol Thompson is the guy I think who is best positioned to be really, really good and to make a difference. So that's That's my thing. Somebody, if this thing goes bad, has got to hold it together, and I'm looking to those guys to do it.
0: Okay, so you just cut away at a little bit of what I was about to say because I was going to say it seems like four of the last five times we've played Alabama, we've acted like we didn't want to be there, okay? You think back to the last two trips we've made – to Tuscaloosa, you said that 24 nothing game. I was going to count that in my four out of five, but you're right. The defense at the very end, and the defense played well that entire game. I may just throw it over to the offensive side. The offensive act, offensive guys acted like they didn't want to be there that trip over there. But Dan Mullen in 2016, we acted like we didn't want to be there. Last year, we acted like we didn't want to be there. The, the game I'm talking about, the, the one out of the five was – that game, you talk about the tie, Grantham. when the game was tied in the third and 17, and we bring the house knowing that they're going to throw a slant route. gum man. But uh, anyway, going over there tomorrow, I think it's just good. I thought the the off week came at a great time for us. And I go back to, you know, yeah, they deal with Tyson Brown in the offseason, but it's almost like, look who's coming through door number three, and there's Tyson Brown saying, all right, boys. All right, here we go. We got we got a week off. Let's go out there and running some sand.
1: Don't you know, though, that if if we were of the mode to be a little cynical, to be a little jaded, we could have a lot of fun with your question, couldn't we? You know, you could say, like, whoever's monitoring the transfer portal, you know. Oh, <laughs> we, so you're so negative. We, no, I'm not saying. Who's the itself, recruiting staff? Yeah, I was going to say, the recruiting coordinator.
0: Uh, <laughs> and so, But I'm not that guy. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not that guy. Okay, some stats. And I don't want to read the stat sheet. I'm going to think about some things off the radar. And a lot of this goes back to this. I'm kind of doing some show prep right now for tomorrow's pregame show. I just want to roll in and just talk tomorrow. Okay, so I think I've done some research. When's the last play that we ran? We talk about running offensive plays, and you're more confident, it seems, when you have a lead. When things are going positive, things are going great, when's the last play, the last offensive play that we ran with a lead? Well, we didn't lead against AM.
1: Didn't lead against Kentucky. I think we should have. Two nothing. We didn't lead against Arkansas, so they had to pick six. It would have to be the last offensive play that we ran against LSU.
0: The Osiris Mitchell over the shoulder catch on third and long was the last play. We had a three point lead at the time and that was the last play we ran with a lead. And they got the ball back,
1: and we got the interception final play, right? Yeah, on the final play.
0: Never ran another play. Anyway, so long story short, what I mean by that is it would be so great to come out tomorrow – and have something positive happen early, and to play with a lead. I mean, that's the thing. Alabama hasn't played with a deficit much. They've trailed a couple of times against Ole Miss. They've jumped out and taken early leads in games. Trailed a little bit against Georgia. But it would be so good for us to come out and just kind of take a deep breath and get a lead in the game tomorrow.
1: Well, it's been a while. I think confidence is such a big thing. You go back and you look at the games that we have won, in Tuscaloosa, they kind of all have this element in common. Didn't have huge expectations going in, and you just kind of got a touchdown, hung around, got a few stops, make a play or two.
0: It was kind of like, and I don't want to draw a comparison because this is not the the epic, you know, David and Goliath. I mean, we're we're still Mississippi State. We still play the best league in the country. We still have good players. And, you know, Alabama has elite players as well. So this is not a situation of going over there and you pull off the upset and you're like, oh, my, do you believe in miracles? It's not like the the night we played UConn in women's basketball. You wanted to think we had a chance to win that game. But I remember looking at Stephen Foshi, who was sitting beside me in the arena over in Dallas and saying, you know, I was proud to be here. I wasn't mentally prepared to be emotionally invested in this game. And then you were, like, extremely emotionally invested in this game. Is that bad to say? I think it's bad to say. No. But but I, but I'm saying th- tomorrow, you know, I want to be emotionally invested in this game. Come out early and make me emotionally invested in the game.
1: Well, and that's the thing. If you go back, you talk about these last five games, we haven't even given you the chance to get worried. I mean, you go back and you look, and this is one of those things, too. And I'm not going to go off on a Dan Mullen rant here. But, you know, the good old days of Dan Mullen – Let's look at these games against Alabama, 32-7, 31-3, 30-10, 38-7. I mean, you get the 51-3. It's not like Mullen was out there just competing his tail off against Alabama. He only competed twice. We were only competitive two times against Alabama when he was here.
0: Let me ask this question. Was that a style in a situation of we're trying to beat Alabama – by playing somewhat like Alabama. We're trying to out-physical them. We're trying to out-muscle them. And we're going to run the ball between the tackles. There was only one guy who's done that. Sylvester Croom?
1: (laughs) No. I was going (laughs) to say Jackie Sherrill. Yeah. You know, if you go back to the late 90s, Jackie just out-physicaled Alabama. Send a Christmas card to Eric DeBose or Mike DeBose, not Eric DeBose. Big difference. We could send a Christmas card to Eric Dubose.
0: I think I have. I bet Ron Polk sends one to Eric Dubose. (laughs) That's
1: right. Mike Dubose is the guy that uh, we should be thanking for that. And uh, Fat Freddy Kitchens back in the day.
0: Artists formerly known as. Uh, Yeah, so the artist formerly known as Freddy Kitchens. Okay, so this weekend, any trends? What are are you looking at? Uh, I, I talked about that stat that, you know, how many times do you play with the lead? How many plays do you run being down? I know you're a kind of a stat guy, a trend so, guy.
1: Yeah, and here's one that kind of jumped out. You know, I was thinking back to basketball. What's one of the big stats we always talk about in basketball? Points off turnovers. Live ball turnovers. Yeah, we always talk about what happens when you get a turnover. Do you go score with it? Do you make another team pay for it? So uh, I got to thinking.
0: And I think of that, too, is what do you do when somebody gives you the ball around midfield? What, what do so many people do? Here comes the shot. They're about to take the shot downfield. That's 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 a good one because I really hadn't thought of that. So there's
1: been four times that Mississippi State has gotten the football after a turnover and run an offensive play. Meaning you can think back now, two turnovers, one into the game against LSU, so you don't your offense doesn't respond to that. One was a pick six, so you don't respond to that. But an interception and three fumble recoveries. And here is what we have done in response to those. We've thrown an interception, we've punted, we've turned it over on downs, and we've thrown an interception. So our points off turnovers are basically the defense having to run it back in. So negative for us, I think we can talk about how our defense reacts to our turnovers, but we aren't taking advantage when our defense gets
0: the ball for us. Looking at our defensive stats, I was just looking at that, to be honest with you, which is crazy. You know, our defense has done a pretty good job. They've had to go out there, what, ten times, I think, right after one of our turnovers. And seven of those times, you've had some – Three times they didn't have to go out there. Yeah. What, seven seven punts maybe? Seven punts and four three and outs? I mean, so the defense has done a pretty good job of not allowing teams to make that big play. Yeah, and and if you look, too, like one of the
1: times they had to go out there was, you know, in the red zone against Arkansas. I mean, it was – Right at the goal line, basically. Well, the one yard line at Kentucky. Yeah, and so, so it's been a situation where they, the defense has had its offenses back as best it could after turnovers. The offense hasn't taken advantage, and so we talk all the time, what's the difference in ball games? Well, if you want to win, you got to force turnovers. I think now we got to add to that. If you want to win, you got to force turnovers, and then you got to do something with them. We hadn't done anything with them.
0: Okay, the stat I looked at was red zone, so that kind of goes along that figure too. Um, What's the red zone? The 20, the Have Case I there? the case IH red zone. I don't remember. Yeah. And, and when you look at the red zone in the first game against LSU, we were four for four in the red zone. One touchdown and then three field goals. Brandon Ruiz kicked three field goals. We've only tried it, him out there one time since then. And that was against Kentucky on like a 58-yarder. I was going to ask if he transferred. I hadn't seen him in so long. No, he's still here. But you look at the red zone scoring against Arkansas, we were two for four. We had two touchdowns, okay? Against Kentucky, we were zero for three in the red zone. Against A and M, we didn't get in the red zone. So, how many times do you hear teams talk about offense? Hey, we we're good between the twenties, but we just couldn't put it in. We're not even getting to the twenty. And I go back to the point. I, and I, I'm I'm so all over the place this morning, and you can see that you know this is not a scripted show. We're just talking. I go back to the point a little bit ago about Dan Mullen not having success against Alabama because we're trying to beat Alabama doing Alabama things with force. Isn't that one of the reasons you hired Mike Leach, to be different? You beat LSU. Now, I know LSU's a little bit different this year. But for state to beat teams like an Alabama, you've got to do something a little bit different. Isn't this the reason that you hire a guy like Mike Leach?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the problem is, or the challenge is, you just can't become different overnight as much as you would like to. You know, you bring in – think about if you brought in a guy to run the wishbone. Well, you can't do it immediately, right? And so it's just going to take some time.
0: Are you saying we should have gone in and gotten the service academy guy?
1: Well, not judging by the way those teams have tackled.
0: Ooh. You know, and that's what's a quick
1: segue, by the way. Those are the worst tackling teams in football right now. And I always tend to associate tackling with discipline. And you think about those being the most disciplined teams. And maybe maybe that's a poor association in my mind. Maybe
0: you just have to practice and go live now and then that's one thing I will have to say about our defense so far and we really haven't talked about it enough our defense has done a pretty good job of tackling I mean we get there Martin Emerson to me as a cornerback to me that's been the great thing to see about Martin Emerson is he'll lock you up I mean you're you're not going to break through a tackle and get those extra seven eight yards once we've gotten there and once we make you know get there and that initial hit teams have not run through a lot of tackles against our defense
1: no, you're absolutely right. So, speaking of defense, let me give you something I'm looking at. If you look at total offense, total defense, we have the number one team in the league in total offense, Alabama, 566 yards a game, eight and a half yards a play. And then you have the number one total defense in Mississippi State, under 300 yards a game and four and a half yards per play. You go and you look, we have felt really good about the way Mississippi State has played. But if we were to go back six weeks, you and I both sat here and said, defense is going to get us killed this year. It hasn't proven at all to be the case. I think tomorrow is got kind of a chance to be the day where we find out what our defense is all about. Because this is an Alabama team that's putting up points.
0: We haven't given up big plays as far as the long pass play, down the sideline or down the middle of the field. We haven't given up that deep ball. And I think this is where we're going to be challenged a little bit more than we have in the first four weeks is down the field.
1: And let me speak to that. Alabama leads the league in long plays. They have hundred and thirteen plays that have gone over ten yards. If you want to define it as twenty yards, they got thirty-two plays that have gone over twenty. They get yards in chunks.
0: Mac Jones has completed a little over sixty percent of his passes when the ball travels over twenty yards. They're good at going after that second level. So what's the key to that stat? is you got to get pressure and not allow him to take that seven-step drop and sit there and kind of try to dissect you 20 yards down the field. So you got to get some pass rush.
1: Yeah, and the thing is you got to be really careful when you talk about getting pass rush of bringing the blitz because in Najee Harris you've got the number one rushing tailback in the league. I mean, he's going for 120 yards a game.
0: Anything else you want to offer? I feel like I'm ready for the pregame show right now. No, I think
1: that's uh, – look, bottom line, you're going to face a team with the statistically best quarterback. By the way, one note on him. Only three players, I think it is, have had four 400-yard passing games in a season in the SEC. Mac Jones, who nobody really – I mean, you just kind of thought he got the job by default. He's already had three in the first five games. He is – he's teared it up. He's got as many spots in Alabama's top ten passing as Tua does. He ain't played us yet. <laughs> Indeed. He's by two.
0: Hey, enjoyed it. It was good to talk about the game, and now you know we had a chance to to catch up earlier uh, this morning with uh, Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. You know Bruce Arians was a part of of a couple of eras at Mississippi State, and Johnny Cooks was talking about Bruce Arians, and I don't know if it was on the air or off the air, about how that you know Bruce Arians was a guy in his early to mid twenties, an assistant coach at Mississippi State, the seventy eight to eighty, he came in with Bob Tyler and stayed on with. Emery Ballard and about how he just he he really was a players coach and then he came back as offensive coordinator and he's been around the league now in the NFL for a while was a head coach and you know he's tutored guys like Peyton Manning and he's been out of Arizona went to the Super Bowl there but you know this year the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks they're off to a great start Tom Brady their starting quarterback and man Bruce Arians was gracious enough to uh to to chat a good bit and uh, and, and talk to us about you know what's going on, what what happened in the past at Mississippi State, and what's going on in the next couple of weeks for the Bucks. You're going to leave Derek Tate off his list. If you're going to talk about quarterbacks, I mean Brady, Tate, Plump. We should ask Bruce Arians why Derek Tate did not throw to Eric Molds <laughs> in, in the, the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl. <laughs> so uh, here's that interview as uh, Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucs. Coach Arians, we talked to Tyrone Keyes yesterday, and he was talking about how that you were one of the young coaches on a coaching staff of a lot of older guys in 1980, and you really related well to the players. And it's been 40 years since Mississippi State won a 6-3 game against Alabama. What can you recall from that uh, afternoon down in Jackson?
2: Oh, gosh, it was one of the greatest days of my life. I mean, uh, our, our defense played so great. Billy Jackson with that great play at the end, just scoring enough points to beat Alabama. Yeah, probably one of my top five victories of all time.
1: Coach, one of the stories that we hear all the time is about the game in 1978 where Dave Barler couldn't go and was a little bit injured, and all of a sudden they credit you with putting in a new offense before the game, going to the shotgun. Tell us about that 1978 game against Alabama.
2: Oh gosh, it's probably my, my my favorite game of coaching of all time, and I've had some great ones. But uh, you know, on Wednesday, Coach Sharp, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, Jim Sharp, and I talked about. You know, they they love the blitz. Hey, we had uh, our center Quillen, who could he was a snapper from a, a single wing offense, who could make a seven to eight yard snap. So we're gonna put Dave Mother back seven to eight yards. Let them blitz and they couldn't get to us. So it was like, okay, we got, we had this game plan. We had like four or five plays out of that shotgun. Big shotgun back then. Nobody was in the shotgun at all. And all of a sudden, Dave pulls that muscle before the game. We like, okay, how about we adjust our entire offense? Uh, I'm in the press club. I'm in the press box calling. I'm in drawing plays left and right. We go down at halftime and put those plays in at halftime and, uh, it was one of the, probably the most fun coaching day of my entire life. Watching Dave Marder do what he did, Marty McDowell, un- unbelievable. But to see our players adjust on the run like we did in that ball game was that was like the ultimate coaching job of my life.
1: I think back to those teams of the late 70s, early 80s, and Marty McDowell was a guy that was kind of one of the guys that I really enjoyed watching play. By the time nineteen eighty rolled around, it was primarily a run-oriented offense. But I'm curious if you put Marty McDowell kind of in modern terms for us, what kind of what kind of player was Marty McDowell and how would a player like that fit in today's game?
2: Oh, uh, he was in today's game. He'd be like what? one of the top five draft picks in the game. I mean, he was uncoverable guy, great strength, great speed. We never hardly ever threw the ball uh, that those years when he was, you know, uh, the wing We did a little bit. And uh, John Bond did a great job finding him then, but uh, in fact, he'd been in a passing offense like we did those years with Dave Marler. Oh, he'd been he'd been a top ten pick.
0: Talking with the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians was an assistant coach at Mississippi State a couple of stints. And coach, you you think back at, to 1980 and. When uh, Tyrone Keyes was talking to us, he said Emory Ballard came over and worked with a defense that entire week. And he says, hey, I invented this offense. I know how to stop it. And he worked with the defense all week. As far as the offensive game plan, who was doing the offensive game planning for that game?
2: Uh, it, was a, it was a collaboration of, of Moon Mullen, Barry Wilson, myself, uh, everybody that was involved. And uh, it, was, it was a great staff, great staff. And uh, everybody had a hand in the pile. Of uh, course, was always part of both. He might have said he was defense, but he was always offense. And so uh, it was—it was easy. It was easy game plan.
1: I'm curious. You go to Alabama. You've been on both sides of this rivalry, of this series between the two teams. You were in at Alabama in 1981, and that's a game that went right down to the wire. What was it like for you as a coach seeing a guy in John Bond that you had just coached a year before trying to lead Mississippi State on that comeback?
2: Oh, guys! John and I have talked about that last play or two a oh, hundred times, and uh, you know they had a pass play called. They called timeout. They went back to a run. It was uh, it was a great, great game, but the most physical game probably I've ever been a part of. And uh, two great were just knocking the crap out of each other. And uh, yeah, it was, it was huge for us to win that ball game. But uh, what a great state team that was,
0: Coach. Looking back at your time in Startville, hey, you were my quarterback coach at one of the Jackie Sherrill football camps in the summer, and Reggie Kelly was there. And of course, Reggie spent a lot of time in the NFL as a tight end. But uh, I- I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you look back and remember a lot about me. But I just want to know what your biggest memory of Mississippi State was in your time in Startville.
2: And there's so many great ones. That Alabama game was huge. recruited Reggie and, uh, and the air tight end, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we had, man, I have so many great memories. beating Peyton, Peyton Manning in Alabama when we lost the ball game. Nothing compared to that.
0: Coach, we appreciate your time. Good luck uh, on Monday night. Hey, against the Mississippi State guy, Joe Judge on Monday night football and the Giants.
2: Yeah, it's crazy because you know Joe. Joe's dad and I played together at Virginia Tech for a year, and uh, we got. We, I've always respected Joe. He's a great coach.
0: Coach, thank you so much. Appreciate you. You bet. Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think we caught him in the middle of some game planning. He's getting ready for Monday Night Football. The Giants, as you said, as he said, the Giants and the Bucks. I didn't realize the correlation between. He and Joe Judge, and you know played with his dad at Virginia Tech, and so it's, it's good to talk to Coach Arians. I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, you know there's a guy who has hung around, been in the league a long time, was a college coach a long time ago, but he's done well in the NFL.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because you think back, you know, Aarons was here 78 to 80, and then he leaves and goes to Alabama. You know, there was a little bit of talk back then about whether Aarons took his playbook with him. You remember that talk?
0: No, that was no, that was before my
1: time. Th- oh, no, that was – if there had been a message board, there was nothing to it, of course. But had there been a message board, that was the message board scandal of the day was that Alabama hired him in 81 because they wanted to learn how to shut down the wishbone. Now, if you think that <laughs> Bear Bryant needed Mississippi State's playbook to figure out the wishbone – because keep in mind, we only scored six points in 80. It wasn't like we – We put 40 on the board, and they had to figure out a way to stop it. In any event, so he goes to Alabama, and then he makes his way back. He's, you know, he was the head coach at Temple for a little while. And then, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see what works for people. But offensive coordinator in the NFL, he's got a couple of Super Bowl rings as an assistant coach and ends up at Arizona. And now he's got a, you know, a decent team to work with. Decent quarterback. Yeah, he's all right. Guy's almost his age. Too bad he went to Michigan. Speaking of, by the way, Alabama, number two in the country right now. That's who will be playing. Number one, Clemson, they got a sick quarterback. Got a sick quarterback and some
0: guys out hurt this weekend. And He's got to get ready to play the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. That's next week. And that's kind of the talk right now is when did he enter protocol. And we'll see if he gets to Nick Saban's doctor, right? (laughs) <laughs> so they'll fly that test up next Friday <laughs> it'll be better
1: next Wednesday they'll
0: read that on game day That's right. <laughs> I right. hey, enjoyed it and uh, folks tomorrow 6 o'clock state in Alabama Charlie and I will have the pregame show on the network we'll start at 4 o'clock and so appreciate you jumping in and listening to us on this Friday if you haven't listened to those Tyrone Key and uh, Brandon Woodruff interviews in yesterday's show the out of left field man it was a great week great show and um i tell you what, great sponsors in uh, Farm Bureau, Country Pleasing Sausage, and Cannon Ford of Starkville. And Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Cannon Ford, as Jason Crowder says, nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. He tries hard. He tries hard. All right, appreciate you guys. If you have any questions about the show, tweet us at Charlie. Or you can send it to me at Bart Gregory. Send negative thoughts to Charlie at Charlie Winfield. And uh, we'll get you set, get you ready for Mississippi State and Alabama, and hopefully come back on Sunday with a really good cup of coffee following State's upset win over the Crimson Tide. See ya.